iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. The Civil War was a noble struggle. Brave men on both sides fought for their ideals. And the appropriate way to remember them today is not to impose our own values, but to accept that each thought he was doing what was right. Well, that's one way to look at it. Another way is to consider the relative morality of the causes of each side and to think about what the Civil War really meant in terms of the values embodied by both sides. We'll take a look at the second approach today with Thomas Sabotke, author of a seminal article in North and South magazine on the moral view of the Civil War. That'll be our topic today on Civil War Talk Radio. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at World Talk Radio and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you, as always, from the third floor of the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina but not speaking for the university, certainly not when espousing controversial views, or even ones that they agree with, whatever whatever the university's mind might actually encompass. And likewise, our guest today will speak for himself only. That's how we do it here. Well, it is a, uh, a gray but pleasant Friday afternoon, uh, the first of the post-academic year 2011-12 here on campus. Uh, the students are gone, most of the faculty are gone, it's quiet. Uh, we're able to get back to uh, finishing, first of all, the myriad paperwork issues, the evaluations and assessments and things that have to be done at the end of the year. But it's somehow easier to face all that uh, bureaucratic nonsense when things have slowed down and there's actually been time to read. Uh, I've enjoyed the 
enormous luxury this past week of working on a chapter for a forthcoming book uh, dealing with uh, Civil War issues. I'll say more about it in the future as it gets closer to publication, but I haven't had a chance to do any uh, real writing and researching in, in eight months now, and it's been great to get back to it. Uh, so I will be testing out some of those ideas at the uh, Israel B. Richardson Civil War Roundtable in Rochester, Michigan on uh, Tuesday, I think it's May 29th, uh, coming up in, in uh, a week or so. And then again in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina at the Civil War Roundtable there the following week. So if you're in either area, please stop by and let me know what you think. Always good to see folks uh, from uh, from World Talk Radio Land uh, out in real life. We'll have some uh, good shows coming up. N next week will be Memorial Day. No show, no live show for that. But we'll be back uh, the following week, June 1st, with Keith Erickson talking about Abraham Lincoln or the history of Lincoln or the history of a specific part of Lincoln's life. Uh, we'll look at that with him. Uh, Mark Dunkelman on June 8th. And then it's the Civil War Historians Convention in Lexington, Kentucky. I um, had been planning to go to that, but uh, the, the big local event here this week was uh, last Sunday uh, doing as I like to do each Sunday afternoon, get out and get some exercise with the local uh, recreational adult soccer league. My office neighbor, a professor of uh, early modern Europe, uh, Renaissance era history, is on a team. Uh, so is uh, one of the English faculty who also does uh, early modern literature. And the three of us and, and a bunch of other guys play together. And we're out there uh, playing a group of truly roughneck, untalented players, uh, a new team in the league. Their name was the Saints, uh, most ironically chosen. Uh, my next door neighbor, uh, looking at his office wall, and he's not in today, but he he came away with seven stitches above the eye before halftime. Got head butted while trying to, to head the ball, and in, at some point in the game, I'm not sure when, I got a good swift uh, kick on the right leg behind the shin guard, and uh, the result is I'm I'm not ambulatory. I, I went to the urgent care center to see what was up and their x-rays said I had a fracture in my foot. Uh, I talked to a real doctor, my, my brother Greg, who uh, unlike me has the doctor's degree that gets you paid in, in cash money in MD and he consulted with me over the phone and I went to a specialist on his advice uh, the next day uh, which was actually this morning I got to the specialist and it turns out it's possibly not broken, just a severe contusion but I'm wearing a giant boot and walking about on crutches and unable to get places I want to go. So I'll still be there in Michigan and Raleigh to do the, the speaking, but I don't know if I'm going to make it to Lexington for the uh, weekend trip. I do have more sympathy uh, for those who had even minor injuries in the Civil War. It's no fun to be, uh, to be incapacitated even a little bit uh, with a minor leg injury like this. It's nothing like a field amputation, but... Uh, still, it, it's it's certainly an inconvenience, and it has uh, distracted me from other chores, uh, uh, academic and otherwise, during the week. But nonetheless, we forge ahead. I mentioned some people we'll have on the show 
uh, the rest of the, s the spring season. In the fall, we've got a, a, a lot of good things already lined up. Uh, John Michael Priest will be with us to talk about the Battle of Antietam. Uh, he's written uh, one of the, the classic books on that topic. Christian McWhorter has a new book on Civil War music. We'll hear from him sometime in September. And uh, just yesterday I was able to arrange with Bobby Horton. Many of you are familiar with him as a performer of Civil War music. Uh, I'm looking forward to having him join us probably in November of uh, 2012, later this year, uh, to talk uh, about Civil War music and if I can work with the technological wizards at World Talk Radio, I bet we can find a way to get an MP3 or two over to them that they could play during the show and we can hear Bobby Horton's music and he can tell us about what it is he's playing. It'll be fun for all. Well, it's also fun for, for all when you send me money. Well, actually, it's fun for me. Uh, if you're interested in contributing to the Civil War Talk Radio Book Fund, uh, you can donate through the website www.impedimentsofwar.org. Mark Gaffney keeps that going, and your contributions there uh, are sometimes used to buy books, sometimes used to help defray the costs of the website, which, uh, which Mark does as a labor of love for the Civil War talk radio community. And then sometimes I just spend them on... on uh, uh, Burgers and fries. No, I don't eat those anymore as much as I or try not to, trying to trying to stay in playing shape and not get injured so much. Um, but I could use them for anything. I will say, I mentioned earlier, getting back to historical research for the first time in a while, uh, I'm looking at a topic dealing with the Western theater, and it I had something I had touched on when I wrote All for the Regiment. Uh, in, it was published in 2001 which for your $20 donation you get a copy of. So it's actually cheaper than buying it on Amazon, but don't tell them I, I said that. Uh, I've been looking at some of my old notes, and one of the things that has changed in the last 10 years is the books that I went to archives and university libraries to find, uh, many of them that I, I treasured the finding of and took careful notes on, are now available at the push of a button through Google Books or other uh, online sources, through, through libraries, uh, through the Gutenberg Project, through, through all kinds of ways. You don't always have to go uh, where you had to go to find uh, some very good 19th century printed material. And uh, you know, in some ways, the technology actually works to our, our benefits. There are, there are many things to question in the rush to uh, uh, to digitize everything, but I'm, I'm impressed with how easy it is to find some of the things that used to be really difficult to find. A colleague of mine recently went to London. Uh, he was invited to participate in the Queen's uh, Jubilee there. Uh, it was just him and I think 75,000 other close friends of the Queen were at this event he got to go to. But he said in preparation he was looking for things to work on in terms of his research at the British Museum. He's a historian of, of modern Britain and 19th century Britain. And he was actually struggling for things for a while that weren't online. Everything he used to have to go to London to look at, he could now get through one database or another. Uh, of course, there were plenty of things, manuscripts he was able to find that he couldn't get otherwise. But 
the world has indeed turned even in the last 10 years in the ease with which we can do historical research. Well, the things have changed technologically, but uh, not necessarily in the same, uh, same way ideologically. Uh, some things are, are the same as they were 100 years ago, even 150 years ago. Uh, others not. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how we ought to remember the Civil War here 150 years later, what, uh, how the public does think of it, and how, how they ought to think of it, if anyone who has the, uh, the standing to say how others ought to think of things, uh, how, does, how does one earn that standing, and what does one do with it? Uh, a lot of open questions. Uh, then we'll explore with our guest, uh, Thomas Sabatke, who is an independent historian, uh, who has uh, his doctorate from Marquette University, and wrote a fascinating article in North and South Magazine, volume 12, number 3, uh, dated September 2010. Tom and I ran into each other at the Civil War Institute last year in Gettysburg, talked about this topic, and I thought it would be something worth exploring on the show. So. Uh, that's what we plan to do uh, today. Tom, are you there? Yes, I am, Jerry, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on Civil War Talk Radio. Well, I'm, I'm delighted you could uh, join me. We, we talked about it. It's almost a year ago now, and, and uh, things intervened and schedules changed, but everything has worked out, and I'm glad you can be here. Um, let me start by asking uh, a bit about your background uh, Independent historian means not affiliated with the university, so uh, what, what is your day job? Yeah, well, at this point, uh, I am doing some adjunct work uh, as a professor at Carroll University in Waukesha, Wisconsin, not far from where I live, uh, dealing with recalcitrant U.S. History Survey students, and I just looked at the evals of uh, the courses so I could identify with what you're doing at your end. Uh, but generally, I'm an independent historian. I'm not a full faculty member at any university. But uh, with my doctorate, I've specialized in United States history, um, and I have pursued uh, the idea or the subfield in American history that is, of course, memory studies of the American Civil War. It fascinates me uh, how Americans hold these differing views and always have since the war. Uh, so long ago, 150 years ago, uh, that uh, even today this is a contentious issue. And I think as we talk about it together, we'll understand why even today it's still controversial. Well, there, there's no question about that. It does still uh, raise people's emotional temperature in a way that other historical issues don't. Um, I think it, I, I asked partly about your status, uh, just out of personal curiosity, not to say nosiness even, but uh, reflecting what you just said, the Civil War attracts authors in a way that other uh, areas don't so much. Uh, it, the listeners to this show know that maybe a third of the time, maybe more than, maybe more than a half even, uh, I'll be talking to someone who's written uh, a book, a new book on some aspect of the war, and it will turn out that their their day job is an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer, uh, or they're retired. Uh, they do something else, and you know you don't see that the other way around. I, I every year at the graduation, one of the lines I use is, is 
talking about the complexity and importance of what we as historians do, and I talk about how I've attended parties where some doctor will say to me, oh, history, I love history. Uh, when I retire, I plan to teach a little history. And I, I will always say back, really, you know, when I retire, I plan to take up surgery. Um, uh, as if uh, history were, were, were just a hobby that one could do as a, a pastime when you're retired. Uh, and yet many people do that. The war grabs people to, to have that kind of interest. Uh, so, so let me start with that. What, what is the appeal that draws so many people to, to even have a historical memory of this topic? When well, we first have- of all, traditionally, of course, uh, so many Americans in the past have had uh, personal ancestral connections. They have a heritage where their ancestors were involved in this. For example, I have a couple of ancestors who fought on the Union side. And uh, a, a portion of uh, the, my people, as you might say, in the 19th century, were here and experienced the war. So I was fascinated with this, uh, and I think I got I got into a oh history, I guess, with a very helpful librarian way back in fifth grade when I was running around town trying to pretend I was Abraham Lincoln. I'd read an Abraham Lincoln biography, and uh, just took off from there. And in ninth grade. I was probably the class geek. Uh, I was reading all three volumes of Lee's Lieutenants in ninth grade, which is rather heavy going for a ninth grader. But I think what fascinates so many Americans about the Civil War is that it is so, it, it's, a, it's a war that happened right here on our soil, and it happened, uh, it's a very American kind of thing. It's, it's, it's not some foreign war, however big those foreign wars have been for our nation, like the two world wars. Uh, it's right on our soil. Uh, it's Americans fighting Americans. Uh, the issue presented, uh, which really is human slavery and the fundamental moral question that was asked uh, at the time the war broke out and leading up to it in the antebellum period, uh, was the greatest moral question this nation has ever faced to this day. And so I think this, that's why you have a civil war community. It's why I think... Uh, people within uh, the Civil War community in various ways, even Civil War buffs, have an unusual level of knowledge of this subject, and it's so broad, and uh, it's so much written about, and it's endlessly debated uh, in so many aspects. I think that's what fascinates us all. Well, I want to push back in in two directions on that. One is the the point about having people in the war, and I encounter this frequently in North Carolina, where Many people seem to be related, and when I read about local engagements in the eastern part of North Carolina, the names of officers and soldiers that I come across are also the names of streets and counties and villages around here. The same surnames keep coming up. So in that sense, yeah, there's a lot of people who are connected to the war, but I'll speak for those of us whose ancestors weren't here uh, and are just as interested. Uh, I'm not sure that 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 accounts for... It, it, it still leaves a lot of us who, whose ancestors were not here to be accounted for. Yeah, I just it, somehow it's a, it's somewhat a mystery to me. But I think the American Civil War is in some way a more accessible uh, topic for people to explore. Uh, there are so many places you can actually go and walk the ground and feel the history and the connection. Uh, I think there's really uh, an underestimation of 
uh, our connection to place, geographically, the very ground you walk. You know, what connection does that have in history? I just learned uh, a couple of months ago that uh, uh, the home two doors down, that is a uh, period home, uh, had uh, a George West uh, captain in the 10th Wisconsin Volunteer Infantry killed the Chickamauga in 1863, and the family did not learn of his fate until 1890. But, you know, that takes you... That, that tells you about place. And uh, where I live in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, we're uh, right on the route of one of the two uh, instances where the Underground Railroad went public, and it's the Carolyn Quarles case where she fled right through my town, right down where I live. Uh, with, in fact, the, the guy that uh, fingered her and got the folks out after her, the two uh, lawyers and the two bounty hunters, uh, in 1842, that was very early, uh, well, the guy that uh, did that, his house is uh, probably within, uh, oh, I don't know, 200 yards of where I'm talking to you from right now. So those are the kind of things that can happen. And even if you don't have people that were here at the time, and most of my ancestors were not here, but about half of them were, uh, but even if they weren't, um, you can run into these things. And, of course, we're in the sesquicentennial now, and uh, uh, people are going to run into a certain number of uh, events that commemorate and call up whatever our memories are of the Civil War. Well, that that I think does make a lot of sense. That there are a lot of places, I mean, everywhere, and and I think that would also touches on why perhaps the feeling is stronger in the South, uh, emotionally, uh, also strong to some degree in the Midwest. Maybe not as much in the East, where there are competing histories, and and much less so west of the Mississippi, but. You said something else that that uh, I want to get back to uh, about the great moral question of the war, and to me that that raises the issue that if if that is in fact the case, then the in, and people are if interested in the war today as clearly they are as clearly there is strong memory. Uh, those two don't quite go together because that would imply that that people understood the former, that it's a great moral question, then they wouldn't be so eager to remember it as they do. I'm going to let that hang out there, give you a chance to ponder that idea, and we're going to take a short break. We will come right back and talk more about the public memory of the Civil War. Our guest today is Thomas Sabatke. This is Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and we'll be back in just a moment. have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take world talk radio on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market are you looking to improve your personal or professional branding what about your business we've got a program that will help streamline your image management tune in to marketing matters hosted by yasmine anderson smith 
Your business and public image is important to your customers' perceptions. And in this day and age, how you market yourself or your company can make the difference between running a successful business and shutting it down. Marketing Matters can be heard every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio Variety. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich talking today with Tom Sabotke. He is uh, working on the topic of the public memory of the Civil War, and in particular the moral dimensions of the war, which he wrote about uh, for North and South Magazine. And we just brushed against that topic in our first segment and ended with the thought that the the Civil War is an enormously popular historical topic. Uh, most Americans know something about it and some Americans know a great deal about it. But do they know as much or what? how is it that they think about uh, the the idea, uh, Tom, that you, you mentioned uh, just a few moments ago, that the war represents the great moral crisis in America's history as a nation. Uh, do most Civil War enthusiasts see it that way? No, I don't think they do. I think there's a real disconnect between academics who really have understood that slavery and race were central to the war and why it occurred. Um, and I think between people who are Civil War buffs, uh, who are the general public, uh, and may know that, yes, yeah, slavery was a big part of this, uh, but they haven't really uh, grasped this yet. Uh, what we really have in our continual uh, struggle as Americans to understand what I think many people would know is one of the key touchstone events, 1861 to 65 and what's around it uh, in our nation's history, a pivot point, if you will, uh, there is this 19th century conceptual, uh, conceptual understanding of the war that uh, most people retain. It's what we're most comfortable with, the battles, the leaders. We all like a train wreck. We all like the, to see a confrontation. We all want to see who's going to win. And the battles that we study in, in Civil War history uh, fascinate me and always will. Uh, the leaders and what could have been, what might have been, uh, you know, that's that continues to motivate a lot of people in the general public. Uh, and I think the reason that this has been so difficult for our people to come to grasp, as opposed to academics who really got on board with the civil rights years of the 1950s and 1960s, is the fact that, of course, behind the cause of slavery, the, the slavery issue, which animated so much that brought on the war, 
uh, it's the root of dozens of things we could be talking about, and you certainly do talk about on Civil War Talk Radio all the time. Uh, but behind that is race, and we still do have some of these unsettled issues regarding how we deal with racial matters in America today. It's really been the bugaboo. It's been that thing that's been with us uh, since the founding of uh, settlement uh, in the English colonies, uh, since Jamestown, really. And, of course, it was with us at the founding of our nation, the United States, in 1776. And uh, there is this huge contradiction that Americans have had to live with in so many areas of their history between that fundamental moral idea, that quintessential moral statement that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How can you possibly have that animate the formation of a republic and at the same time have slavery? have racial bigotry, have uh, uh, gender uh, discrimination, uh, have discrimination against foreigners who come here, uh, working people in the so-called working class. So this has huge implications for all of American history. Uh, and so what you do, you're kind of like your surgeon friend. You're cutting into a very uh, raw nerve. You're getting into an old, deep wound that the American psyche and soul has had to grapple with. And if you actually touch it, as I do in the article, uh, then, of course, you open up uh, the Pandora's box to, to use all these cliches that I'm pouring out at you. And I think that's what's really so contentious. Uh, we Americans of all backgrounds have really struggled with this issue of race, and it's really put front and center in the mid-19th century when Americans, all of goodwill, could not settle this basic moral question peacefully. We could not do it. And so we had the greatest war on this continent in our history and the most destructive war, uh, where, as you know, and so many of our listeners know, um, 620,000 soldiers died, of whether it's disease or uh, battle wounds, and many more were maimed, and uh, you have civilian casualties and all kinds of property destruction and a complete change in a social system in a whole section of the nation. These are huge things. These aren't minor, small things, but they're all tied to uh, the race question and slavery. Should you be allowed to own another human being? How does that square with that quintessential American idea that I stated a moment ago that we're all so familiar with? I, now, academic historians, as you know, have tended to accept that view for some time, and it has spread uh, the Park Service uh, in the late 1990s came around to realizing that they couldn't interpret the Civil War adequately just by showing who shot who and began to address causes of the war in their interpretation to the discomfiture of some some of their, their visitors. Uh, but that is, is now in place. So the, the people who are writing a lot of the books today will accept what you've just said but there is still a, a strong element of the public that does not. You said in your article, I thought made a very accurate observation that uh, among the, the Civil War community, those of us who, who 
read about it uh, out of interest as well as uh, making a living. Uh, you said that un an unwritten code among this American subculture is not to offend the sensibilities of those who still proudly carry the banner of the opposing side. And certainly you don't hear political arguments uh, about slavery at reenactments because people know better than to raise the topic uh, because they know there's not going to be a consensus among everyone there. It's only going to lead to trouble. Uh, so we just don't talk about it. Uh, how how can this be solved? How, or how can this be resolved, I should say? Uh, how can you get the public to a, uh, a different state of awareness of this situation? Well, I think uh, one of the things was uh, what the Park Service did. And, of course, uh, Professor Oliver Horton went out and addressed Park Service employees. And I think it was in Gettysburg in about 2000 and uh, laid before them the connection of the Civil War to uh, slavery and the battle for civil rights and emancipation for African Americans and the race question that goes beyond that. Uh, one thing that I think we need to do as Americans to come to this understanding uh, of the Civil War and our memory of it that I argue for in the North and South article is to understand that this was a national problem. It's not like you Southerners, you whites are, uh, uh, were, were the entire problem. It is a national problem because it involves race and uh, the bigotry racially uh, towards people of color traditionally in American history has run the whole range of geographic America as it's developed. And I think what we need to do is disentangle the idea that uh, the people who went through this event on both sides uh, were morally compromised across the board. They were not. Uh, and uh, that's important to remember. And uh, we don't need to abandon any of the heritage that people cling to uh, about battles and leaders and their ancestors. People struggled with this question. If this was an easy question, we wouldn't have had this war in 1861. It would not have happened if it was so easy. It was not easy. And uh, so I think that has to be kind of separated out. And I think the other thing is a demographic issue that the nation is facing. And again, because the Civil War is tied to slavery, and behind it is racial bigotry, white supremacy, to be quite blunt, um, you know, these things have a kind of uh, a current uh, events kind of blowback to them, uh, where we're going through some of the same kind of questions today. I just note the uh, Census Bureau informed the nation that uh, with live births, there are more uh, babies of color being born for the very first time than white babies by just a teeny margin. But that's never happened before. And we have this 19th century, essentially white uh, construct of our memory of the Civil War that's most comfortable to those of us who are in the Civil War community who overwhelmingly tend to be uh, Caucasian people, and I am, uh, so I'm, I'm just as comfortable with that old construct as anybody else. But I recognize intellectually and increasingly emotionally and morally that we've got to come to a new view. And in the 21st century, we have a country that is more racially and ethnically diverse than ever before. And at the point you raised so, I think, cogently earlier, that what about the people that don't have a connection to this war? That number is going to be much larger from here on out. 
And so I think that element among us who do have these stronger connections have to make this change. And I have to be honest and say I think it is a, a continuing difficulty for uh, white Americans uh, who tend to be more conservative, uh, tend to be geographically located in the South, but not always. Uh, CNN did a poll in April of 2011, which is quite uh, current, and they found that although a majority of Americans now do see slavery broadly as the cause of the Civil War, uh, and their memory is leaning that way, we've got 42% um, of Americans who say, no, it's states' rights, and it's this traditional 19th uh, century conceptualization of the event. And uh, Holland Keating, who is the polling director for CNN, uh, admitted, uh, I guess he was being very diplomatic, and he said basically that uh, these uh, geographical uh, factors, uh, racial factors, you know, if you're white and conservative and Republican and you live in the Deep South with very close connections to the old Confederacy, you're going to be in that 42%. Uh, and if you're not, you're much more likely not to be. So that divide is still there. Uh, and we're going to have to somehow disentangle this idea that uh, we condemn categorically uh, across the board our ancestors on either side. Uh, we recognize that most of them were wrong, even Northerners. If you look at the Copperheads and the more Democrats, they weren't much interested in emancipation at all. It was a very small group of more radical Republicans in the North who pushed and pushed and pushed. And, of course, as you probably had programs on this, uh, the war uh, radicalized things and really was part of a social revolution. And you can be sympathetic to a white Southerner in, let's say, 1865, coming home to a devastated uh, area back home uh, from the Army and finding that their society had done a 180. It completely turned around within a matter of months. Uh, you know, can you, can you imagine that? I think we can be sympathetic as well as blunt about what the real cause of the war was, uh, what this moral question that I presented is, and that we have to move in that direction. Because really what makes this war even more amazing is the human rights story that is really launched by it. If you're going to have uh, this idea that everyone's born free and equal in America, and foreigners know us for this. I mean, you, you look at the literature. There was uh, the uh, one of the progressive reform groups for uh, electoral reform in England in 1844 wrote a letter to American progressives in the North and chastised them. They said, you know, that you're hypocrites. Uh, Lincoln talked about the hypocritical stance that many Americans were taking on slavery prior to the war. Uh, when you have a quintessential idea that everyone's born free and equal, you cannot take that self-evident moral truth provided by the Creator and in natural rights and restrict it to white people. The rest of the folks around this globe are going to want to have this too. And that was the problem. The, this idea jumped the fence of any kind of exclusive white conceptualization of what the country could and should be. And that was a problem. It, it, it's something, as you pointed out, Lincoln did address the idea that uh, whatever the founders may have meant, those words set a, or whatever the reality may have been in the founders' world, uh, as far as who had political power and who had e political equality, 
they set a standard that uh, was always to be uh, uh, striven for and approximated. Uh, we're going to take another short break and come back and talk more about this uh, vexing issue of how to remember the Civil War, how to uh, think about what, think about its causes, its meaning, uh, and and to to do justice to those who were in it without uh, romanticizing the, the era unduly. There's a lot there. We'll come back and talk more. Our guest is Tom Sabatke. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Step up to the microphone. View the finalists right now on VoiceAmericaKids.tv. America's next great star is waiting to be discovered. Step up to the microphone is an exclusive presentation for VoiceAmerica.tv, where you can see and hear America's next top child star. The program is hosted by Voice America's own Cassie Frazier, and new episodes will be available every week exclusively at VoiceAmericaKids.tv. You can say you saw them at the beginning of their superstar career. Tune in to VoiceAmericaKids.tv. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Thomas Sabaki about the moral issues underlying the Civil War. A, a large and challenging topic. Tom, in thinking about what you said, characterizing those who may resist a interpretation of the war that sees slavery at its heart, which I think you correctly point out, pretty much the vast majority of academic historians would accept, uh, which most Americans accepted back in 1865, North and South, uh, as Lincoln said in the second inaugural uh, all knew that somehow this interest was the cause of the, of the war. Uh, it wasn't until after the war ended that, that you began hearing about states' rights and other uh, issues. But, uh, I'll, I'll throw this out, when I look at the uh, Lewis Marks plastic toy soldier Confederate cavalry man on my uh, desk in the office that I got when I was in fourth grade, I was fascinated by the Battle of Antietam as a 10-year-old and set up the soldiers on the floor and refought the battle and read Bruce Catton and learned about it. And I wasn't really thinking about slavery. I wasn't sophisticated enough at that age to be getting into what caused the war. That would come later. 
but the, that kind of interest in the war as an escape from homework, uh, bullies, uh, uh, oppressive boss, uh, whatever it is that's financial troubles, whatever is bothering you in your daily life. Some people turn to drugs or alcohol, and some people turn to the Battle of Antietam and, and escape into the past where uh, in one's fantasy view of the past, at least, issues are clear, uh, the moral ambiguities of the modern world fall away, I'm with the good guys, uh, the, the other side of the bad guys, and uh, we, we, there are people who turn to the past as, as an escape valve. Uh, for those people, regardless of their, their contemporary politics, the last thing they want is everything that you said about the relevance of the Civil War to modern America, especially to the issue of race. It's to escape from the painful headlines about the murder of Trayvon Martin that you go back and read about uh, Pickett's charge uh, for some people. And so to, to then say, no, you're not going to get to enjoy Pickett's charge, you're going to be reminded that too is about the great American, uh, uh, the, the, the sin at the heart of American society, the divide over race. Uh, there's no escape for you. Well, how, do we, how do you reach those people? people? How do you address to escape uh, traditionally into uh, different battles? I'm about as un oh, conventional as you can get as a Civil War buff because I, I simply love the Battle of Gettysburg and I enjoy reading about the activities of both sides in so many instances. Uh, uh, I think military history of the Civil War uh, doesn't have to change so much and turn entirely on, at all on, on this. But I think really what could draw more Americans, and remember we're going to have more Americans of color from parts of the world that don't have any connection to this event at all, uh, is the, the theme of American freedom and liberty being extended to more and more of our people. Uh, maintained for the people who first had it, in 1776, who tended to be white, and I agree with you that uh, our founders, uh, you know, Tom Jefferson may not have done us a favor in some respects. He set that bar of liberty very, very high. Uh, all are born free and equal, and even if uh, our founders were divided over just what that meant, does that mean whites only? Does it include other people? Uh, you can't take a self-evident moral truth like that. If Jefferson's right about it, and I believe he was, uh, that uh, that's not going to be containable just to white people. Other people of color, uh, gen a different gender, uh, people of different uh, socioeconomic classes who might have be discriminated against are going to not like that. And I think the big collision we first had was over slavery. But behind slavery is race. And you're right, it, it's a very disquieting, uh, thing to have to face for most Americans because we do prefer to get into, I'd love, I'd love to go to Gettysburg first. It's a release for me. But I have to sit, sit back and say, now what's really important about this to us now, today? Uh, when we deal it with a Trayvon Martin case and the race questions that come up, and they're even more ambiguous today than they ever were because some of the greatest civil rights questions have been solved. We've made a lot of progress. But uh, we have to, as Americans, face these moral truths. Uh, it's, I think, a burden we carry as Americans to, if we're going to really be what we think we are as Americans, we're going to have to deal with this moral question. How do we deal 
with extending liberty and freedom to more and more people who are the people who live in the United States of America. Uh, how do we treat them as citizens? These are issues we face every day, and they were really brought to a head. America had to decide, are we going to move toward Jefferson's ideal that we've been talking about, or are we going to shy away from it and go play Antietam? Uh, and the decision the war made was that we were going to begin a slow process of moving toward Jefferson's ideal. And it's tortuous because behind slavery, even when you remove slavery, you still got the race question. And, of course, if we were to have someone come on and talk Reconstruction, we'd very quickly understand that uh, slavery was a settled issue in North and South in 1865. It was dead, dead as a doornail. But the, sla- the race question was very much alive. Well, the, the, uh, the idea of interpreting the Civil War as a, 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 a putting freedom, Jefferson's ideals, at its center does have an appeal, as you say, for people who, who don't identify with it. And you point out that many Americans uh, in, in decades to come will not have ancestors who were here at the time of the war. Uh, last week, uh, talking with Larry Kreiser, uh, who teaches at a historically black college, I was asking him about uh, whether his students were interested in the war, and many of them were not in part because they didn't think it was, uh, because it was a white man's war, they had, most of them, he said, had never seen the movie Glory and were unfamiliar with black participation in the war. That could be remedied by education and by making a new version of that movie or another movie that would grab the public's attention and, and make people aware that, yes, this was not a white man's war. Uh, but it would be harder to do that for people uh, whose ancestors were not here at all for uh, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans. Their participation in the war was tangential at best, uh, unlike the mass of African American participation. So will there be any way in the 21st century to just conceptually use this argument of freedom to get people interested, or, or is that not going to work? Well, I, I think as far as those of us in the Civil War community studying the incredible stories of the leaders and the classic battles that were fought. Uh, that's not going to change. We're going to have some folks who don't have a connection who are just going to take up an interest. And I think anyone who's done reenacting will tell you that they're amazed to find how many Europeans are interested in the military aspects of the American Civil War, as, as well as some of the civil rights aspects. But it is this idea of uh, race relations, uh, ethnic relations, uh, out where I live, they put up the first mosque or the plans for a first mosque were talked about and it was very contentious. Uh, that's a religious question, but it's also somewhat ethnic as well. Uh, and a lot of folks that are coming here uh, from Asia and the Middle East and uh, continuing to come from Latin America, not just Mexico. In fact, we find that Mexican immigration, both legal and illegal, is actually way down. Uh, which is a shocking thing to find out. Uh, but those folks, um, you know, they do have issues that deal with uh, discrimination. And a lot of it is based on color and, you know, how you look, how you talk, uh, whether you're foreign or not. And making that connection 
between the Civil War collision over this great moral question of slavery and the racial issue behind it that this country has struggled with so mightily. And that includes everybody. This is a, uh, a, a thing that everybody can take credit for because we have been moving in the direction of being more inclusive um, uh, of uh, citizen rights for more and more people of diverse backgrounds. I, I mean, when we look at the end of the Civil War, women could not vote. Uh, you know, that, had, that changed. And uh, you have all kinds of discrimination today against certain people from Asian countries, people from Latin America, and particularly the Middle East. They have no connection to the Civil War, but they can certainly make a connection between that ideal that they've heard so much about, that here in America, we have equal opportunity. Here in America, we are born free and equal. Um, I think it's simple for your audience to understand where I stand. I simply stand where Lincoln did. Uh, I do take the Declaration uh, to mean just what it says. I take an expansive view of that as a person and uh, as a moral question. Uh, others are going to be on the other side of it. They may say, no, this is, you know, the founders didn't talk about people of color. It doesn't have much application. But, but we today are going to have to wrestle with uh, a situation where there will be no majority race or ethnic group or all minorities coming coming by 2045. And that is going to shift that fault line of our memory of the Civil War in ways that you and I and our audience cannot possibly calculate. But I think we know it's going to change. Well, I, clearly it, it will change. Uh, uh, memories will evolve. Uh, and you, as you point out in your article, the, the memory of the war evolved from the era of the veterans through the reconciliationist era that David Blythe has described in the late 19th, early 20th century. But the, and we'll have to bring it to an end with this question, uh, you run the risk of bringing people in by emphasizing the moral question, but also uh, you run the risk by driving uh, others out of the Civil War community uh, by begin by, by pointing out the moral aspects. One can say, well, it's not a, a good North, bad South interpretation. Uh, it's everybody bad. Uh, North was just as racist. Uh, but now, now you're just driving everyone out and saying, well, all you guys were bad. Uh, there's no pride to be taken in this. And you mentioned Lincoln. Lincoln had a gift for being moral without being moralistic and could say things, uh, painful truths to people in his speeches without doing it from a, a high horse, as it were, without preaching at them. Not many of us have Lincoln's gift to do that. Will it be possible, do you think, to bring people to a more elevated moral understanding of the war uh, without just making them annoyed that uh, those of us with a Ph.D. think we know so damn much we can tell others how to think? Yeah, I don't pretend to tell others how to construct their memories of the war. That is something that is a birthright and a freedom of every American, uh, and they can take it as they will. But I think uh, what I also speak of in the article was something that uh, we can take a page from Martin Luther King Jr. and his letter from a Birmingham jail a century later where he's writing about uh, the civil rights struggle where he 
uh, says that you want to create that creative tension in a community that forces a community to confront the issue. And what we have is that element in America who, yet to this very moment, have not confronted the issue. And I did write a very provocative article to uh, prick the conscience, to uh, challenge people uh, not to sit, you know, have them sit quietly in their comfortable uh, uh, zone of uh, uh, understanding of the war. And David Blight has written that, you know, these kinds of questions of uh, the commemoration and our memory of historical events arise from political and cultural competition. And what we've been engaging in this past hour is that very thing. And I am trying to push it in the direction of civil rights and that expansion of civil rights to more and more Americans. It began in a big way with a more inclusive America for African Americans uh, during and after the Civil War, slowly but surely. And it brought in other people and brought them along. And that struggle continues to this day because uh, it's a very difficult thing to deal with. And I, I think that all Americans, no matter who they are, if you're a, a good old rebel from uh, down south and you have that uh, very traditional feel for the war, you can remember that uh, all Americans today in this 21st century share citizen rights together and that uh, we're all important. Uh, and I have not, not thought to try to drive anyone out, but but I think Dr. King back in 1963 was very aware that when you're dealing with race, which is behind slavery in the Civil War, we still deal with it. You referenced uh, Trevon Martin in his case. Um, that brings us to contemporary times. Well, it is and, not, but unfortunately, it Tom, it also brings us to the end of our hour. Uh, alas, we have run out of time. Uh, so we'll have to end the discussion on that note. But you have raised a lot of provocative issues in your article and here today that I know listeners will be thinking about and uh, will benefit from, and, and we'll look for future publications and, and more to think about uh, uh, that you've brought to us. So well, thank you. And, and thank you for being on the show. Uh, enjoyed talking with you. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network.